Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 20th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff for our weekly discussion on all the news, results, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. Uh, usually the way I like to start these podcasts out is kind of uh, introducing each person on the show here and kind of talking about where they are and what they've covered over the past week or where they're going the week coming up, but there's so much going on this week that I have literally lost track of who's where and even what races are going on to some extent. So I'm going to kind of let each each of the guys introduce themselves and remind me where they were this past weekend, where they're going, what they got going and all that. All that. So we'll uh, we'll start with uh, Dirt on Dirt senior writer, Kevin Kovac. Kevin, where, where have you been? Where are you going? What's going on with you as far as event coverage goes this last uh, week and this week? As of Tuesday here, as we're... Uh... Recording. I'm at. Uh, I'm actually in Omaha, Nebraska, getting the five nights of uh, racing at I-80 Speedway, the I-80 Nationals first three nights, and then the Silver Dollar Nationals the fine Friday and Saturday. Uh, I came here. I made the I made the trek across. I did the I did the drive. I went to with. Uh, I was gonna go to with Raceway on Saturday for the Southern Nationals, but that was rained out. Uh, but I had gone Friday to Beckley Motorsports Park in West Virginia, so I went there Friday. Friday, got rained out Saturday and uh, made the trek over here uh, through the middle of the country to, to Omaha. And now we're ready to go. And hopefully it's not too hot for the next five days. <laughs> you you drove across there? Yep, I did the drive. The, the two years, I, last year I drove too because uh, I'd kind of come from some, some summer nationals races. And I was already you know, I was already in Virginia, so I was like, might as well just keep – if I'm going to drive home, I'll be seven hours. I'd be halfway to Nebraska. So I just drove out. I'm already in Virginia, so I may as well continue on to Nebraska. I would imagine no one that's rarely been said in the history of, you know, the United <laughs> hey, States. Yeah, of see the country a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. And uh, I believe uh, our weekend editor, Robert Holman, has had some extensive travels of his own. Robert, what do you got going on? Where are you and where are you headed? Uh, last week, I was in Indianapolis. Uh, started out with uh, the Dirt Car Summer Nationals uh, up there at uh, Circle City, which is. Uh, Pretty interesting. Then I headed up to uh, Michigan to Thunderbird Raceway and then over to Oakshade in Ohio. Left Ohio, headed back down to Tennessee where I am right now. I'm in uh, East Tennessee uh, where I was at uh, Bulls Gap last night, but got rained out. And uh, here in, uh, you know, on Tuesday, uh, I-75 Speedway down in Sweetwater, Tennessee. And then finally I get to get to go home for a, a day or two. So. Uh, it's been it's been a strange from summer nationals to southern nationals. It's been a, a long track so far. I hear you. And then uh, anchoring our our remote coverage from from home, I, I believe Todd uh, Turner, our managing editor, has been really uh, handling most of that. Todd, when's your next race? Um, so I'm back on the stretch of the summer nationals starting Thursday in Springfield, Missouri. We got uh, we're we're covering. Five straight nights in four states, so we're kind of all over the place, but uh, uh, hopefully it'll be a good stretch of the Summer Nationals. There you go. I uh, can't forget about the Summer Nationals. It is still going on. And then uh, I am uh, I was uh, at home at home this weekend. I say at home. I was actually in the middle of a move relocating from Jacksonville, Florida area to the Pensacola area uh, and then getting ready to go on the road for three nights on the Southern Nationals at West Georgia Raceway in Whitesburg, Georgia. That'll be a new one for me. And they need more speedway and Scriven Motor Speedway uh, this weekend. So yeah, a lot going on. That's uh, kind of catching everyone up and uh, catching ourselves up on where we are in case we had forgotten. But uh, a lot to talk about. Obviously, with everything going on, a big weekend of racing this past weekend, despite a lot of rain uh, all over the country, really. And then we're getting ready for 
I-80, a big week at I-80, as Kevin was talking about with both the I-80 Nationals, three nights of racing starting Tuesday night, as we're recording this on Tuesday tonight, and then if you're listening to this tomorrow, Wednesday, last night. Uh, and then, uh, of course, two more big nights at I-80 with the Silver Dollar Nationals back-to-back there, and then the Southern National, the Summer Nationals continuing. So kind of starting out, I figured we'd look, look back a little bit at uh, what went uh, transpired this past weekend, starting with uh, the Lucas Oil Series. Only got one of their races in there at Wheatland, Lucas Oil Speedway, with Jonathan Davenport getting back on track, if you will, uh, uh, with another win. I think it's his fourth win in the past five races, so he's definitely on track. And then uh, Brandon Overton winning an unsanctioned 20000 to win race at, at the dirt track at Charlotte. That was the Carolina Sizzler there, which kind of, to me, sets up an interesting, uh, you know, dynamic going into I-80 with the kind of a showdown between those two. Of course, Brandon Overton's had the upper hand, not just on Davenport, but the entire sport, really, the last month or so, uh, or longer, going back to Eldora, uh, and kind of time to see if Davenport maybe can uh, can can get some of that momentum back in his corner, uh, heading in there, maybe a showdown, if you will. Kevin, I know you're covering that. Does that feel like uh, kind of a showdown between those two going into it after their big wins over the past weekend? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I get into the mix also. Brandon Shepard, I feel like he's uh, he won the race last year, and and I think to feel like he might be starting to come on here a little bit. You know, he's starting to win a little more regularly than he than he had been. Uh, and, and also, he also he's run well at I I eighty also, and and he just finished second. He flew back from uh, Lucas Oil Speedway to go run that uh, the Carolina uh, the Charlotte race on Saturday night on Sunday night. And finished second to Overton, so he's he's right there in the mix also. And uh, but uh, w- w- I think what'll be interesting at I-80 is it's it's it won't be that racetrack where like the Eldora it was, and and also like uh, Lernerville was. And I, I haven't I didn't really see too much of the Charlotte race, but um, I'm not sure exactly what the the situation there with the track service was. But I know I-80 won't be that that slick thing that uh slick surf a calm patient approach doesn't always work perfectly there i know like a guy like chris madden a few years ago would have probably won that race if it wasn't for that cushion being there at at i-80 and and just getting up there and running it it it, that that track has a cushion that if a guy could get up there and and, uh and and challenge it and, and is willing to uh really try to master that thing they could use it and uh, I think that that will be something to, to watch, uh, especially that could be that could play into like Brandon Shepard's hands because Brandon did win last year's race by going up top uh, last year's Silver Dollar Nationals. So uh, we'll have to see. Maybe I mean Brandon Overton's doing that. He likes to stay down lower and and without so he doesn't have to you know abuse the race car. So he but he can go up there and run it if he has to. But uh, we'll, we'll see if he has to this week. Kevin, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned uh, both Brandon Shepard and Tim McCready. Shepard, especially, I kind of left off about him uh, getting a couple of wins out there in the upper Midwest with the World of Outlaws uh, over the past week. Kind of like as you said, righting the ship a little bit, kind of picking up some momentum at a, at a good time with uh, his trip to I-80 uh, coming up, and then uh, Fairbury and Cedar Lake, some big racing. Uh, the Rocket Chassis House Car Team and, and Brandon Shepard definitely hitting their stride. Like I said, the, with the Outlaws in the Upper Midwest, you had a couple of uh, other, I don't want to say surprise winners because they both had won the previous week, but maybe it was surprising to see them winning two races of the Upper Midwest swing, and that was Dennis Herb Jr. and uh, Frank Heckenass Jr., uh, along with Shepard getting wins this past weekend. Uh, Robert, 
what do you uh, take away from uh, watching those races up there and what's going on with the outlaws and their their upper midwest swing it's kind of a chance to get to see just the regulars competing against the the regional guys up there kind of what do you take away from from seeing those races you know just uh just watching those those guys up there i was just really impressed like i kind of mentioned in fast talk how those illinois guys just really destroyed destroyed it this weekend frank heck and ass jr was as excellent and you know and, and frankie had uh had been showing signs of getting better and better on the summer nationals anyway, uh, where he had, I think had a couple runner up finishes or, or something like that. So, so for him to come up there and win those races is not really a surprise. And, uh, and Dennis are winning a couple races. Also not a huge shock. Dennis has been getting better over the last probably six weeks. I actually spoke with uh, Kirk Loudy, who, who does um, Dennis's shocks. I spoke with him on Monday at, uh, at Bulls Gap. And, and, uh, you know, he said that, uh, he'd been working with him and trying to, trying to, trying to help him, uh, get a little bit better. And they really feel like they found, found a connection there, found, found what they needed. And, and I think that's pretty obvious with how good that Dennis has been running over the last, uh, six to eight weeks and to come out and get a couple of victories, I think is, is really big for that team right there. Yeah. I think it, it goes to show how much, uh, I guess maybe having a support tech tech support uh, plays into well how these drivers perform. I, I think uh, kind of following up on that, uh, Frank Heckenash Jr. and his uh, victory lane after his second win there over the past uh, this past weekend, he really like all he talked about was how much uh, bringing on uh, his new crew chief Taylor Center there, how much that improved his program, and uh, it was uh, interesting to see how much. I mean, he basically gave all the credit for his recent improvement. To, to bringing him on and him kind of uh, teaching him not just, you know, a, a lot of things, his aspects of racing, how to you know approach his program down to the signals he was giving him on the racetrack. So it's uh, interesting how much it goes beyond just the uh, the driver when you see them having a, a resurgence, if you will, and other factors that are going into it. And uh, Robert, before we, uh, before we step away from you, give us a kind of a rundown of what we've seen this past week, because you were, of course, on the on the summer nationals, uh, kind of what we saw uh, as the, the series moved east away from Illinois into Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Well, you know, a, a week ago I was I was saying Bobby Pierce, Bobby Pierce, Bobby Pierce, but now it's, I'm, I'm chanting Ashton Winger, Ashton Winger, Ashton Winger. You know, a Ashton was so good uh, on that little stretch up there. I hate that we had that one rain out. I would have liked to have seen uh, how things would have played out there at uh, Hartford. But uh, uh, Ashton was really excellent. Uh, I think he he got his uh, he got his stuff done, and he has uh, a ton of confidence right now. You know, for I, last week I said uh, I didn't think Ashton was going to finish out the summer nationals. You know, and that is that is completely my fault. I miss I completely misinterpreted a text that I got from Ashton. He said he wasn't going to Lake Cumberland. Well, we got our wires crossed, and apparently Ashton got my text about midnight like eight hours after lake cumberland had already been rained out so of course he wasn't going to lake cumberland uh so there's some some confusion between me and ashton there on our texts uh, and because i saw him you know i'm like well i thought you were you know done with this and he's like i told you i'm not i'm not finished with this until i don't have any equipment left until i have nothing left and so that's that's been his attitude from the get-go and that continues to be his attitude and and uh, and so I just want to you know throw that out there and, and correct 
correct that because I, I think I'm the one that, you know, said I don't think he's going to, you know, go to the rest of these races. And, uh, and he, he has full intentions of, like you said, sticking it out until he has nothing left. Now, you know, on that note, he did have a little problem with some engine stuff up in uh, at that uh, Outlaws race, I believe. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what's happening right there, what they're going to do to kind of, uh, to kind of get, but you know, they, they don't, they don't have just one motor and they've got more than one car. So, uh, I know that you don't want to try to tackle the last nine races with just one motor. So I'm sure they're working on that to get that stuff straightened out, but it was just Ashton Winger's week. Um, Bobby Pierce was excellent as always right there. He, the thing about Bobby, I noticed this week is he didn't qualify and run his heats as well as he had been early in the season. And that is huge. You've got to get in that redraw. And uh, and when he didn't get in that redraw, if you look back, I think when he when Bobby's not in the redraw, I'm not sure if he's won a ton of races when he's not in the redraw. So I think that what happens with Bobby early in the night really tells a, a tale of what's going to happen and how he's performing in the feature. So uh, you get in that redraw, you have a chance to uh, – to, to start on the front row. Uh, and then I'd also give a shout out to Jeep Van Wormer. Man, he looked like the Jeep Van Wormer of old uh, up there at Oak Shade, man. He was, he, he was slinging his car, you know, through those ruts and around the high side. And uh, I was just really impressed with, uh, you know, for a guy that doesn't race very much, uh, which obviously that's his neck of the woods, Oak Shade and the Michigan tracks and stuff. And that's where he does race. But for a guy that, uh, that doesn't race uh, that many nights to come out and perform like that, I was really impressed with, with Jeep Van Wormer uh, and, and Donna uh, Markular. Mark, I can't say it for Pete's sakes. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the French version, Markule or whatever. Uh, I, I did the same thing last week, so. <laughs> you know, well, well, I, I apologize, Donna. I really do. I, I spoke with him in depth, too, and I, I really he's – he's a great guy, too, but I just can't pronounce your dad's burnt name. So, uh, moving on, he, he was excellent as well. So, uh, so I was really impressed with those guys up there. It was, it was a fun week for me. Yeah, and and uh, to be fair to you, Robert, on the uh, Ashton Winger schedule uh, snafu, he did have – listed on his website last week when we recorded the podcast that he was going to the outlaws races and not following summer nationals. So to be fair to you, he somewhere, there was a miscommunication somewhere with, with his, uh, you know, website situation there. So, and then well, didn't he, did, did I see that he, that he raced at, uh, the last outlaws race set up there at, um, Sunday, the Sunday's race. Did I, I, there's so much going on. You miss these things, but he wasn't in his own car. Was he, was he in a Mars backup car? Did anyone catch that? Well, he ended he, up in Mars' backup car. Yeah, after it hurt, yeah, he hurt the motor in his, yes. He so ended he up driving all, all Sammy Mars' car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that, well, that had to do a little bit, too. He's running the MB Customs car, so that was uh, that's the hometown track there, Red Cedar for uh, for Jimmy Mars. So I'm, I'm sure that they stopped in at the shop and did some work there a little bit, kind of right. got together with Mars. So they kind of when they went, then he went racing and ended up having a motor problem, unfortunately. Well, you know, it's really probably, if you think about it, it's, it's really probably a good thing that maybe uh, he did have that motor trouble in that Outlaws race and not this coming week and didn't discover it, you know, in a summer nationals race. It might be a blessing that, that he did that. Yeah, definitely. And like I was saying, it's kind of hard to keep up with everything going on, all these guys going from, you know, Missouri to North Carolina, McCready, and back to Nebraska, and Winger going from Ohio to 
Wisconsin or Minnesota, wherever they were. It's hard to keep up with all this going, all this uh, going on and everything, all the racing. But uh, we didn't know where Kovac was over the, the past weekend. As he mentioned, his first trip to Beckley, uh, West Virginia. And I, I know we talked a little bit about it in the, the podcast last week. You know, looking forward to going down there. Kind of get a, a recap of what you thought of uh, of Beckley there, Kevin. Uh, it's, it's a racy little track. Uh, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed seeing the racing there because it's a place where, uh, guys, if they want to, there's an outside there, if they want to go try to use it, it's, it's, you're, you're tempting fate, I think running it, uh, because you're, you're close to the wall. It, it, there's a big berm there and, uh, it, it's, it could mess your race car up, uh, obviously, and some guys did have have uh, have problems with it when they went up there, but it's fast. I mean, Josh Rice, he went up there and ran it, and he won the race. Uh, he also had a little bit of a problem with uh, Jared, uh, excuse me, Jacob Hawkins earlier uh, when he made a move to try to go for the lead on the inside, made contact, and that kind of made Jacob Hawkins uh, uh, tore the left front fender off and made him a little angry at uh, at Josh. But then after that. Uh, Josh just won it after uh, uh, Devin Moran got two flat tires running the outside. So uh, I I did like the racetrack itself, the way it raced. Uh, I I do have some issues with how they run the show. I Again, remember uh, a few weeks ago in that July 4th race, they didn't start the feature until almost midnight and it ended after one in the morning and uh, and you could they that the organization isn't quite there. Ray Cook, kind of drug the track uh, to let's let's get this going a little bit better. But you, it, the, the driver's meeting and then in the start of the, the night, it just it wasn't quite uh, up to up to uh, a perfect uh, uh, manner, I guess you could say. But the racing was good. Uh, there's a little bit too many rocks in the track, probably, because it seems like there was quite a few uh, uh, flat tires. And, and that causes a lot of the cautions and makes the features longer. Uh, I think if that wouldn't be there, it would be um, probably uh, you know cleaner racing uh, for for the features. Uh, but also, uh, you have to look at the place. I mean, it's 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 definitely a, it's in the it's a tough turn even to come into the racetrack. You kind of make this turn for the haulers. I mean, several of them almost hit a pole. I think coming in like coming up the racetrack, kind of the hill that goes up to the track and the driver. It's it's an expansive uh, f- uh, grounds. Because the racetrack's right in the middle, kind of in a bowl, kind of in the hillside there, which is a uh, it's a neat picture. That's why that's why I would have liked to have seen with too on Saturday because I know that track kind of sits in the inside of them, a bowl in the mountain there. I would I've always passed it on I eighty one, but I've never seen the racetrack, so I would have liked to have seen that. But we got rained out, so uh, Lisa, Lisa got one new track in last weekend. There you go, one new track, and that's that's one Beckley that I haven't been to. Kind of looking forward to you know, going to eventually down the road, especially with some, some of the good racing they've had there. But uh, like you said, hopefully as they continue to have bigger shows there, get more experience with it, they get the uh, the timing of their program ironed out a little bit. But it did seem like they were a little better this go around than the 4th of July race there. But, uh, you know, talking about that, your your, your first visit to that track there kind of got me thinking of, uh, you know, something we could discuss here on the podcast is kind of like a, a situation where we've gone to a track uh, to cover a race or maybe just to watch a race uh, for the first time. And we're surprised, maybe pleasantly surprised by the uh, the track and, and maybe didn't have a whole lot of expectations going there for the first time. And it kind of exceeded your expectations, the racing or the facility or uh, whatever it may have been. Um, and I'll kind of start it off because uh, and I may, may be stealing one from Robert here because I'm going to go with Thunder Thunderbird and uh, in Michigan there when I went there last year on the summer nationals. 
uh, tour the the final week of the summer nationals it was last year instead of being earlier in the year this year I was really impressed that was a place I didn't know a whole lot about uh, before going there and honestly I don't even think I'd seen pictures or video of it at that point because I was surprised how much it reminded me of some of those Illinois tracks especially Fairbury uh, uh, just kind of the way it was shaped and the the dirt and everything and then it raced like it too it really I think Derek Kessinger and I remember watching the race uh, from the infield there and talked about how much it just reminded us of, of Fairbury. And, and then, like I said, it was a pretty good race there. Uh, and then we, I think Heckenass, Frank Heckenass Jr. won that race last year. So it was almost like, you know, being at Fairbury, watching an Illinois guy uh, running the cushion and uh, and winning a race there. But anyway, any, any uh, in thoughts you guys have, any uh, tracks you can think of where you've gone there, maybe didn't have a whole lot of expectations and was left pleasantly surprised. Uh, Todd, I'll, I'll start with you. What do you got? Yeah, I'll kind of go way back, and this is a kind of an under the radar track because they really don't run late models uh, much at all. Uh, and really, this period I'm talking about is kind of the only time they did run notable late model races, and that was uh, a place called Soggy Bottom Speedway back then. Uh, these days, it operates under a Cedar Ridge speedway or raceway i think in morgantown kentucky um and you know i i went to school at western kentucky and bowling green just you know a half hour or 40 minutes away from there but i'd never been to this track it never ran late models and then i guess the rick series i guess is the first one that started going down there uh and then maybe the battle of the bluegrass uh, over a period of three or four years and you know first off the name soggy bottom i mean it's not exactly inspiring you know you kind of wonder about that uh, and not having any late model uh, history, you know, I think all, all of us going to those races the first time in the early 2000s, I guess, were a little skeptical, but, uh, but really it ended up being a great little racetrack. And what was interesting about it mostly that I remember, and maybe this made it, uh, such an enjoyable experience and kind of surprisingly good track, uh, the backstretch sat, uh, lower than the front stretch by, I, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 feet or 12 feet. Anyway, you, you were going a little bit downhill into turn one and two and going a little bit uphill coming out of three and or going through three and four. Uh, so it was kind of an odd juxtaposition with that. Uh, it had kind of a, a hillside uh, berm grandstand style kind of up into up into where people could bring their lawn chairs and such and some bleachers. It's just an odd place, kind of a quirky track. Uh, and again, without being a late model track, I think, you know, the late model fans got an exposure to something a little bit different. And uh, and it was a it was a cool deal, deal back then. Soggy Bottom Speedway. So maybe maybe they'll drag out another. I think they've had a few crate late model races and over the in recent years, maybe. But uh, maybe someday the super late models will make their return there. Soggy Bottom Raceway. That's an interesting name. Sad that they're no longer going by by that one there. Uh, Robert, what what about you? Any uh, first time visits uh, stand out in your memory? Um. Well, first of all, I think I've been to Soggy Bottom. Uh, actually, uh, did you say which which straightaway, Todd? Did you say went downhill or uphill or, or whatnot? I believe the back stretch was lower than the front stretch. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, I, and it's over in Western Kentucky, right? Yeah, off the old, um, I guess they used Turn to call it the there, kind of. Green River Parkway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. A uh, family reunion back years ago, when I was just uh, in the early '90s, I was seeking out just a Saturday night spot to go to, and I went there, and I'm like, 
those cars are going downhill back there, you know. Or, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting place, uh, but I've been there. But no, to answer your question, uh, uh, Joshua, I was really impressed uh, the first time I went to 34 Raceway. Um, you know, and it's been so many, it's been over two decades ago, so nothing really, you know, I just remember that I, I, I fell in love with that place right away. I think it was the racing, the brown dirt, uh, you know, the, the car counts. Uh, it was just a, a unique atmosphere. I really liked that place. It really raced really, really, really well. Uh, and I just, uh, it's just a place that's always stood out to me as a place that, I, that I've enjoyed uh, watching races at uh, over the years. Um, you know, and then you you think back, going back even further. One of the one of the quirkiest places that I that I went to that uh, that I that I'd heard about was uh, uh, Chickasaw Speedway down in Mississippi in Oklahoma, Mississippi. It's, it's no longer there, but uh, it had kind of like a dog leg on the back stretch, and uh, you're, you're going down the back stretch, and you're headed straight towards a tree, and all of a sudden you like go to this tree and just turn left and kind of then then go into turn three and make your way into turn four and head down a longer front straightaway. So it's almost like the the back stretch was kind of like kind of shorter and then it had a little kink in it. Then you went into three and four and, and that place, you know, that place was pretty exciting to, to watch a race uh, back in the day, which I, I always hate when these tracks close, you know, that you kind of get, you let you like, you know, going to, but uh, those two tracks, as far as first time, First time for me to visit, you know, they, they always, and, and in honesty, which this is a track that we've been to, well, all of us have been to dozens of times now, but uh, the first time I showed up at East Bay, I was just like, oh, this is the best, this is heaven, you know. Uh, I'm just, I was in love with that place from the get-go. And so that, uh, that's, and, it, and East Bay still ranks among my, my top, it's easily in my top five favorite tracks of, of all time. So the first time I showed up there, uh, was was uh, I was enamored immediately as well. So so those are three for you right there. Nice, give us plenty of examples. I like it, uh, Kevin. What about you? I know we, you already talked about your first visit to Beckley there this past weekend. Any other uh, first time visits to other tracks stand out to you? Uh, I think uh, well, I think I've mentioned this actually before a few weeks ago was at Spoon River Speedway in in Illinois. Uh, uh, first time I went there was 2014. It was my first summer nationals with Dirt on Dirt too. Uh, we go there and man, all this these Illinois, uh, the, those Illinois natives, Michael Rigsby and, and Derek Kessinger and and, and several others. They they didn't give me a good review of, of what I was going to expect. So I, I went in there not expecting much of a you know uh, not too much. They always say most likely it'll rubber up. We're not going to see a great race. It's uh, not too exciting of a racetrack, uh, even though it's got some nice banks, nice shape to it. So I'm like, uh, my expectations were very low. I'm like, let's just, you know, hopefully not rubber up and it'll be a, a success, you know. And it was way more than that. I, I just looked back to, to see what happened in that race. And, you know, Jason Fegger won it. Uh, but it was really, it was, I there were people that called it one of the best, possibly one of the best races they'd ever seen there. Uh uh, a lot of uh, observers that have been around for a long time. Uh, Fegger took the lead, I don't know, 13, 14 to go. And, and then Ryan Unzicker came back on him, tried to pass him. Shannon Babb was in the mix. Babb went over the edge of the racetrack with a 
few laps to go and, and lost third place to, to Brady Smith, I believe it was. There's a name that's, uh, uh, it seems like it's forever that he's been, you know, not raced, but, uh, and anyway, he, it was, it was just a great, great entertaining race. And, and every time I've been back there now for summer nationals and including just a few weeks ago, um, it's been good. It, it's, I, I saw Bobby Pierce pass Ryan Unzicker with laps to go, uh, with a great move, uh, at Spoon River, just, uh, in the summer national, in the summer nationals race this year. So, Man, when I see Spoon River on the on the schedule, I'm like, man, that's a track that I want to go to now because uh, it's that whatever they they put more moisture in the racetrack, whatever they do, it's uh, it, it lends itself to some great racing now. And and that old uh, old Spoon River that people talked about, that's a that's a thing of the past. It seems like it's funny that you mentioned Spoon River because that was actually one I had thought about mentioning on my uh, as my when I was my first time visit was surprised by. Uh, because I, I remember when I went on the Summer Nationals for the first time in, uh, I think, 2011, uh, Derek and Michael kind of gave me the same review of Spoon River. And we got there. And first of all, it looks really nothing like the remote, you, you know, your typical stereotypical idea of an Illinois track, you know, tight, low bank, you know, bull ring. Uh, it's higher banked. It actually reminded me of some of the tracks in the south. Even the color of the dirt is a little different than most of the Illinois tracks, but, uh, I remember the, I was surprised cause the heat races were really, really good that night. I don't remember. It's been 10 years ago. I don't remember a whole lot about it other than just being really surprised by how good the racing was in the heat races. And I'm looking at Derek and Michael, this is really good racing. Of course, then it locks down in the feature. And I think John Henry won that race, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, so it was, I think it was maybe his first, it was a surprise winner at least. Um, and so that kind of made it more interesting than it would have been, uh, on, you know, most times when a track locks down like that. But as you mentioned, that track has really come around and the racing there has been a lot better in years past. And I was actually bummed that I didn't get to go there this year when I was on the summer at my summer nationals trip when it, when it rained out and uh, it got rescheduled for, for Kevin to get to go, but you know, I won't complain, but uh, anyway, so that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. We all get to mention ours Todd. Yeah. Cause we got Todd cause he mentioned the uh, up and down, front straight away and back straight away there so uh some interesting stories one thing we like to do on here is share some stories not just the current but uh kind of going back to all the the years we've been around the sport some things we've experienced so but we'll uh we'll go ahead and uh kind of start wrapping things up here with that like we do every week with our one more thing where we kind of all go around mention one thing that has stood out to us from the past week or weekend whether it be news results or uh, 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 a race that kind of went under the radar. So uh, for this one, I will let Todd go first. Todd, what do you got for one more thing this week? Well, I mean, I hate to bore everybody with Kentucky stuff, but just the spotlight on Kentucky a little bit with them getting their first summer nationals races and I guess four or five seasons uh, going down to Richmond and Lake Cumberland, both first time series tracks. Uh, you know, the summer nationals has gone to, off and on to Kentucky, used to be Kentucky Lake in Paducah, a little bit in Florence, but it's pretty rare. So, so this is kind of on the fringe of uh, you know of a uh, dirt cars territory for sure down there at Lake Cumberland in Richmond. And one other thing I'll mention out in Western Kentucky, uh, Western Kentucky Speedway, little track in Nebo, not too far from uh, the track I talked about before. They're uh, um, adding a 602 crate late model division, which is nice. Just, uh, any, any track that's, uh, having a weekly, uh, having a weekly late model style car division is good and can help, uh, help that division. So those guys, uh, they had a, I guess a special event this past Saturday and then starting this Saturday, uh, Western Kentucky Speedway will run 602 crates, uh, every week. 
There you go, Todd, keeping it kind of local to him there with his one more thing. And I'll jump in and, and do mine because I'm going to kind of keep it local to me here. Uh, my new locale in uh, in the panhandle of Florida since moving from Jacksonville over to uh, Milton, Florida, uh, Tri-County uh, Speedway, which is about 45 minutes uh, north of me here, just across the line in Flomaton, Alabama, or just outside of Flomaton, Alabama, kind of in the, the middle, middle of nowhere up there. But they uh, have every week they run 604 late, crate late models and 602 crate late models. And this past week they ran a challenge race where they lined up the outside row of the of the challenge race 2500 to win by the way challenge race for the was the finish of the 604 race and the inside row was the finish of the uh the 602 race and they did uh, i think a 15 lap dash for 2500 to win uh there uh, kind of a you know 602 versus 604 challenge i'd like i, I wish i could say and it is a shorter track so it kind of was like well, could the 602s run the 604 and i wish i'd say that a 602 upset the 604s i'm pretty sure the uh the top three or uh, or 604s and Colton Lindecker, who's really been kind of a standout this this year, last couple of years in the crate 604 crate division around here, uh, got it was really a pr pretty big win, especially for a weekly race there. So interesting uh, that they're doing that. I kind of um, you know as we talk about all the different divisions and Todd, you mentioned this last week when you have if you're going to run those two divisions together, why can't they just always run together, you know, and and kind of limit the number of divisions? But at least if they're going to run multiple d divisions, they kind of threw something in there to. Uh, make it more interesting. So uh, what about you, Robert? What do you have for one more thing? I just, uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, Bobby Pierce has, you know, decided, you know, probably people may have, have seen his Facebook post where he's, uh, you know, decided he is going to finish out the summer nationals and run for those points. Uh, you know, instead of going out to, to the Lucas oil stuff, he originally wanted to go out and run all that Lucas oil stuff and, and, uh, and that was his plan, but he kind of found himself in a position of leading these points, which pays 25000 to win. And uh, so, so he's going to go ahead and chase his, his fourth, I guess it'll be his fourth, his fourth dirt car summer nationals championship. Uh, you know, and I thought it was interesting, you know, that on his Facebook post that, that he stressed how much he wanted to go and run the, the Lucas Oil races and also stressed how he hoped that in the future we wouldn't have these things overlapping like like, like they are, you know, and, and uh, I completely agree with him. So I wish that uh, wish that our, our summer nationals, like you said, Thunderbird was the last race of the season last year. Joshua, well, it's kind of uh, – in the same, in the same, you know, time frame, but it's not the last race of the season. So we still got uh, nine nine races left of the summer national deal. But anyway, Bobby Pierce going to run, going to stick it out, going to run. So now I guess you have a, it's a three horse race between uh, Bobby Pierce, um, Tanner English, and Ashton Winger. Since Brian Shirley and Jason Fager did not uh, go to these races. Yeah, I was gonna gonna say that Tanner English kind of uh, is the I don't say big loser, but is kind of the the uh, the getting uh, his, his his championship odds took a hit. I would say between Ashton Winger all of a sudden hitting his stride, and then Bobby Pierce deciding to stick around there for a while. You're thinking, oh, Tanner English is in pretty good shape to to maybe sneak in there and win the the championship this year. Now that's looking a little less likely with Bobby Pierce sticking around, and perhaps even Ashton Winger standing stepping up to to maybe. Uh, be a be a challenger there but uh you know kevin what do you got for uh one more thing 
I noticed on Friday night, uh, the Junior Record Memorial at Trailway Speedway in Pennsylvania was won by Kyle Hardy from Virginia. That was the uh, biggest super late model win of his career, he, he had said. That was $8,000 that, that he got for that. And uh, he's been winning some races this year. He, he's in double figures already with his crate late model stuff. He's been traveling around with that uh, Rush uh, series and, and winning some, uh, some good money, actually, with, uh, with his crate. And, and I noticed in Victory Lane that he did talk about how he, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, I can't win a super late mile race. But he won with the Sami Lacey's car, a car from down there in Maryland. And hey, not a real big, great, big uh, super late model team, you know, real big size or anything. But, uh, you know, he was able to come beat some good guys. Uh, Max Blair was right behind him in second. Greg Satterley, who, of course, will probably note too, Greg Sally wasn't happy with the way. Uh, the pass was made for the lead with Hardy. He was he had some uh, issues with how Hardy uh, made that pass and kind of shoved him up over the. Uh, sadly, ended up over the uh, the top of the track there a little bit. But um, but still, Kyle Hardy, big win for him. Uh, he he's he's shown talent in the past where he's a he's a potential you know good prospect in the late model world and and this year uh, he kind of had to pull back a little bit to to run the crate, run what he could afford to run. And now he has this Sammy Lacey car, which he now he got a big win too. So it's been a really, really good year for Kyle Hardy. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's closing in on 20 victories. I remember I, I checked with him uh, a few weeks ago after he had had a big weekend in a crate, and he was like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's like 17 or 18. So he's already, you know, kind of halfway through the year here and closing in on uh, on 20 wins. So big, big year for him. Uh, good for him there with the big win. So. All right, I guess that's uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening, and uh, we're all going to do our best to survive the uh, busy weekend ahead and uh, come back and uh, have another episode for you guys next week. Y'all have a great weekend.